Good morning. I am loving this weather. I am a real summer baby. Even though I was born in the winter, I love the sun. And um, I love summer. And I kind of look all year. Sorry, it's a bit changing rooms up here. Um, I look forward all year to summertime. And I don't know what people's favorite seasons are. Okay, and maybe we should just do a quick poll because it might help me out in a second. But so if you like summer, if you're with me, just pop a little hand up and be like, yep, yeah, I'm a summer baby. Good. Dave Wade's with me. John's with me. Okay, cool. Jenny's with me. So some key summer people. Who's on the opposite end of the spectrum? Who likes the, the fire roaring, the crisp cold mornings, the hot chocolates, the blankets? Who likes winter? Okay, some, there are some winter fans in the building. Okay, we could be arch rivals, but you know, we all love Jesus. Um, who is an autumn person? Autumnal comers, Estellas, Derekers. Okay, so some autumn fans. Any blossom, rabbits, spring, Easter chicks out there as well? Demi is Peter is Kate. So, okay, so we've got some spring fans as well. So we all like, I don't know, who knows why? Okay, who knows why we affiliate ourselves to a season? We have a kind of a favorite season. But for some reason or another, personality, our character, we prefer, we have preference about the season that we have. This morning, my talk is called The Four Seasons. I wish I was at one of their destinations or one of those hotels, but I'm not. I'm just speaking on Ecclesiastes 3. So if you want to join with me now, it will come up on the screen at the same time. But if not, then it's and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down, but a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. And a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. But he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity into the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before. And God will, will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. And I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. 
Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place and all come from dust and all to dust return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upwards and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? As Marcus said last week, this is written by Solomon, a really, really wise man. When asked for a gift from God, he asked for wisdom. So we know that he's kind of blessed with wisdom. He was also a king. He's David's son. And we know that um, last week when Marcus started this, he looked at chapters one and two, and he looked at almost like this stream of consciousness from Solomon. Particularly if you look back at verses one, he says, meaning, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. It's almost like he's just thinking off the top of his head and he's writing that down on paper. And then all of a sudden we get this huge break in that kind of stream of consciousness, this break in the stream of thought. And we get to chapter three where we get a very deliberate, constructed poem about time. And it's obviously taken some thought, taken some care to deliver this well-structured poem. And there's a few things that I want to just draw out, first of all, of those verses one to eight. And the first thing is that it starts with this idea that there's a time time to be born and a time to die. And then the poem finishes with a time of war and a time of peace. So it goes from the individual to the collective. Yet from the individual to then something international. So we know that Solomon is talking about this snapshot of life, but it's something that's universal. It's something that we can all access, something that's applicable to all of us. And really simply, the first thing that that comes through this poem is just the inevitability of life. That within life, whoever we are, rich or poor, famous or the everyday person, whatever our job title, whatever our gender, actually within our life there will be a time to mourn, but a time to laugh. There will be a time to to uproot, but a time to plant. Within our lives, these things are normal for a human life to experience. And in a strange way, there's some, there's some comfort in that. There's some comfort in the fact that actually we all go through similar things in life. And if you're in a, in a time of life which is quite painful or hurtful, it's, it's really quite likely that there's somebody else in this building that actually could come alongside you who's been through something, maybe not even similar, but the pain is similar. Because it's something that actually Solomon says, these are the things in life that we will share. These are the things we all experience. And whilst I was um, creating this preach, whilst I was praying with God and trying to think about seasons, I was thinking about my current place in my own life. And if I'm being honest with you, and I'm going to share a little bit of testimony, this, this last place about the last few months has been a really interesting and turbulent few months for myself. Firstly, in work, there's lots of changes happening in work at the moment. Lots of things that are being stopped, lots of things that we're going to have to restart, but not yet. Lots of things to try and navigate through. And I'm not really quite sure of my position, what's happening in that time. Similarly with that, we moved into a house in January. We thought, we knew that there was going to be some building work to be done. 
we were thinking we could live in part of that house whilst the building work's being done. The building work starts in July, and we found out two weeks ago that absolutely not, we've got to empty everything out of the house, and we've got to find somewhere to live for six months. So that obviously filled me with glee, um, and I thought, great, I really hate moving, and I hate packing boxes, um, and now we've got to do it all over again, and then again. So, um, and also finding somewhere to live for four humans, two of them being quite small, one of them being an absolute whirlwind, and a large dog who's the size of a bear, turns out isn't the easiest thing. If you want to home a family of four, <laughs> no, jokes, jokes, um, but if you do, no, I'm joking. Um, so, but it's been like this tournament time, and I was like, Lord, why does everything come at once? Have you said that line in your life before? Why does it all happen at the same time? Why does it come at once? Why is everything crazy? Um, and God just went into me. He just spoke, Beth, you're in autumn. And as soon as he said that, I thought, hang on, this makes sense. I'm at this time in life where everything's changing. Lots of things are kind of dying off. Lots of things are withering away. And at the same time, I've got to gather loads of things together, collect them all, and also, I thought, thanks, God, because it means I've got to go through winter. And I hate winter. <laughs> but at least I know. And at least I was like, okay, Lord, so I'm, I'm aware that something cold and brutal is, is going to crop up. Um, I'm not saying that's living with my in-laws. I'm not saying that at all. But no, I do love them, actually. That was just for a joke, which not many people laughed at, so. Um, but actually... I'm really aware now. It's given me huge comfort to know, okay, I'm in an autumn season. And my role within that is actually to make sure, like an animal about to go into hibernation, is to make sure that just, the, just my family and my school family, they're okay. Do you know what I mean? I really felt God be like, you've just got to make sure, you've got to gather everything you need during this time to make sure that you can just ride through the winter together. But then comes spring. And I was like, yes, I like spring. Um, so it really helped. And I just want the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to just start speaking to people who maybe in the last week or so, or in the last couple of weeks have gone, why is this all happening at once? For the Lord just to show you in your heart the season that you're in. You know, maybe you're going through some growth and actually that growth is quite painful and lots is, lots is rapidly growing, but you're in spring. Maybe you're in quite a cold season. Things are really difficult. Things are really hard. Things are quite closed. You can't access much. You feel quite detached from things and maybe you're in a winter. But I do think it's really helpful when we know, when it says in the Bible, there's a season for every activity, you know the season that you are in. And then it's also really important to not compare your season to somebody else's season. Because we love doing that sometimes as humans, don't we? We, we love logging on to Facebook or Instagram or whatever media platform you might be attached to and seeing somebody else enjoying their summer, enjoying their great sunshine period of their lives and thinking, what? Why do they get all of this and I get this? But these verses in Ecclesiastes tell us that actually we all endure the same stuff. We all get the pain. We all get the mourning. We've got to help each other and come together through that. But don't compare 
your winter to somebody else's summer. Or don't compare your summer to somebody else's autumn. Because actually, as Andrew came up this morning, like God knows you. And you are right, you are in your time. Then I want to look at this poem a little bit more, and I'm going to just get into the bare bones of it a little bit deeper. This poem is 14 lines. It's, for me, as a, as a literature graduate, this was great. And it's almost like an early sonnet that's been produced here. Most lines have nine or ten words in the lines, and it's a mirror poem. So in, with every line, we get a time to be born and a time to die, a time for this and a time for that. It's a, it's a poem that consistently mirrors itself the whole way through. And therefore, we have to look at these two lines that don't follow the pattern. Because there's two lines that are stuck into this poem that are much longer in length than any of the others. And there's two lines in the middle of the poem that don't follow perfectly that mirror pattern. And they are a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them and a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. So quite a lot of the original versions of Ecclesiastes 3 actually reads um, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. So the word stones is repeated and the words embrace is repeated. These are the only two lines in the poem that actually stick out. They're longer, they repeat the word stones, they repeat the words embrace. So we have to like home in on them. I think it's really interesting, these actions. Lots of the lines before are all about a verb, time to kill, a time to heal, all about what we do. But this one, the stones mentions an object, a time to scatter stones. I mean, who scatters stones these days? But, you know, it was something they did back in the time, I'm sure. Um, and a time to gather them. And for me, these verses, or looking at these verses and kind of researching these verses, it's the suggestion that sometimes in life, you just have to crack on and get on with what's in front of you. Yeah, you've just got to throw out the stones. Even if that doesn't mean any, even if you don't think this isn't very logical, throwing stones and gathering stones together. But sometimes we just have to get on and do. You know, if we look through the Bible, there are times where some of our kind of biblical heroes had things that they just had to get through. So, for example, Moses, for years, was a shepherd in Midian. He just had to be a shepherd in Midian. It was a time that he had to just go through. Joseph spent time in prison, a time that he just needed to go through. Paul was a tent maker. And every now and then there's seasons in between his great ministry where he's this huge apostle, actually spends time making tents. Jesus himself was a carpenter's son and he didn't start his ministry to the age of 30. There were years where we don't know what he'd do, but we speculate and lots of, um, there's a huge strong suggestion that actually he would have learned that trade. And sometimes in life there's seasons where we just got to do What's in front of us? You know, sometimes we just have to do the washing up. We just have to do the day to day, go to work, come home from work. Sometimes there aren't seasons with any great significance, but they are building for something. They're building the consistency of our character, the dedication of our character, the fact that we can stick to something and see it and do it. So sometimes, and I just want some of you to think, oh, this is, 
you know, where's my life going? What's happening? Actually, some of you might be in a season where it's just, it's just wake up and do. The other line is quite the opposite. It says a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. The word embrace is really interesting because embrace has to be attached to affection. It has to have some sort of prov- like provocation of emotion attached to it. So therefore, there's this time, there's this line about stones, which actually doesn't have much feeling attached to it at all. It's quite work heavy. It's something that you've just got to do despite how you might feel. You've just got to crack on. And then you get in the next line, this, these lines, which actually suggest there's a season where you've got to really listen and respond to you and yourself and how you are feeling. And there are these times that we see where you've got to engage with your emotions. And sometimes you've got to, it says, refrain from embracing. You've got to kind of put those emotions to one side. Again, we see that in the Bible with Joseph when he was in um, Potiphar's house, when his wife kept on tempting him. And he would have had to really put his emotions to one side and refrain from embracing. Then there's other times where... um, Moses, when he was first called with the burning bush, despite his emotions of not being worthy enough, not being good enough, he was still called and he had to embrace the calling that God gave to him. And we see with Jesus before he goes to the cross, when he prays to Jesus in the garden. And we can see that actually there's this emotional embracing, like embracing of what's about to happen to him when he prays to Jesus, take this cup from me. And so sometimes in life, we're called just to get on. But in sometimes in life, we've got to really emotionally invest in something. We have to emotionally embrace it or be really aware of our emotions and put them to one side. But what I find fantastic is that whatever those activities are, and these are some of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says in verse 11, he, referring to God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Even if we're stood at the sink doing the washing up, that word in the Bible says everything. And sometimes when we're stood doing that daily chore, which we hate, yeah, that actually God's like, there's something beautiful in that. There's something beautiful in your obedience of just serving your house and doing the washing up day to day. And sometimes when you emotionally connect with something, emotionally con- like embrace something, whether that's in your next stage of your life or next part of your journey, God's going, do you know what? That's beautiful. God's made everything beautiful in its time. And here this verse speaks to me of God's governance, God's, God's authority. That our lives, whatever happens, whether we're in a time of mourning or a time of laughing, if we're in a time of healing or a time of love or a time of hate, wherever we are, God's saying, I've got you. I'm still, like I still reign in your life. And we have this beautiful ability as believers of Christ just to trust in God. And that's sometimes really hard And it's sometimes difficult to understand what is happening in our life. You know, my mum always describes it to me as somebody creating a tapestry. Don't tend to have like huge amounts of tapestry anymore. But obviously, when my mum grew up all those hundreds of years ago, lots of people did tapestry. She's watching online, so I know she's going to respond to that. Um, 
And as it's what mum would say is, she would say quite often, we as humans only see the back of the tapestry. And the back of a tapestry is normally a bit of a mess. There's threads everywhere. There's, you know, where you've tied an end into a tapestry, but you don't get to see the picture on the back of a tapestry. You just see all the different colors of thread. That's what you get to see. And mum says quite often though, God, when he turns it over, you see that actually he's created this beautiful picture. And you know what, whatever season of life you're in, whether you're in an autumn, whether you're in spring, a summer or winter, you need to trust as believers that actually God's got this, that he's using your life as this really important stitching within his huge tapestry of the entire world. And one day when we get to join him in heaven, we get to look at that tapestry of like universal time and see where our little stitch made a difference. You know, that's how amazing our God is. You know, Andrew said this morning, God's saying to us, there's nothing better than you. And you know, your stitch in that huge tapestry, whatever your season, whether you're finding it hard, whether you're finding it easy, that's a significant stitch in God's huge plan for this world. That's amazing. You know, and also, next favorite verse of the Bible He says in verse 11, he has also set eternity into the human heart. That also God, within our hearts, there is this longing to be in eternity. And I don't know if you believe in Jesus this morning, but I do believe that there in your heart is this longing for something that really matters. And maybe you've tried to find it. Maybe you think you found it. Maybe you think, yeah, I've got a life that matters. But I'm saying to you that actually, if we are really honest with ourselves, that whatever season we're going through, if we're honest and we reflect on our lives and we think, hang on, what what really matters? The things that matter are the things that God has stitched into our lives. Because they are the things that when we pass from this world, will remain. Either will make an impact on this world or will have eternal significance. And so this morning, I just, again, I'm just called for the Holy Spirit to just say, show us that little glimmer of eternity in our hearts. You know, when we worship, let's have that glimmer of heaven to remind us that actually we are just called to walk through this world, but actually our citizenship, as it says in the Bible, is in heaven. And our hearts, there is something that God has placed, which just kind of sings with that, that's married up with that, that is joined in heaven. And also what I like about that is it it shifts us back to this poem, this poem of time where time is constantly shifting, constantly moving, constantly um, rotating. There's this sense of constant movement within this poem and we can't ignore the movement of these verses because for me there's this huge suggestion that we are to be on the move all the time within this, within our journeys. And as we move, we are constantly gravitating to the point where we go and join the Father in heaven. However, God has called us to a life of movement. Because in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, he says, go and make disciples of all, of all nations. Our charge as Christians is to go. Our instruction for our lives is to go and make. You know, Jesus, when he was in Israel for those three years where he did his ministry on this earth, 
he visited over 22 places in Israel. And typically, the verb most connected to Jesus when he enters somewhere is he's passing through. Jesus, as he was passing through Cana, Jesus, as he was passing through Samaria, Jesus is a man who passed through. And he passed through this world, but boy, as he passed through, did he make so much significance. Was eternity like, like bursting from his heart? Because as he passed through, he made such an eternal difference on this world that 2,023 years later, we're still here singing to him. We're still here reading his word. And my prayer for us is that something of us as Christians, something of one church, is that we are a church where we acknowledge that we are passing through this this life and may we whilst we do may we have hearts that are set to eternity so that whatever season is going on we know that we're doing it for Jesus that's my prayer for us and for this church this morning I'm going to invite Peter back up if that's okay Peter thank you and his band if that's okay and if you're able to stand, please stand. There are going to be people praying on the sides. So if you want some prayer in a minute, and I'm going to explain what for, please do come and get prayer this morning. So if you want to stand, it will be great to just join us. Don't worry if you can't. But the first thing I want is some of you may, may be here this morning. And when I've spoken about seasons, some of that might have rung true to you. And you might think, I need some revelation about the season that I'm in. I need some comfort or I need some encouragement or I need some confirmation about what season I'm in. And if that's you, I really ask you to go and go and pray with someone this morning, okay? There'll be people at both sides. Find them and just say, I just need to know what season I'm in. And either the people praying with you will hopefully, they might hear from Jesus themselves or as you are being prayed for, God might reveal that to you. Let's, let's ask the Lord for this supernatural spiritual moment now, yeah? God is a God that loves to reveal to us. And so I don't doubt that if you need that this morning, he will. He'll be obedient and he will say what season you're in. Secondly, I just want to pray for us and then I'll leave that we will be a church which is an eternity-minded church. One time there was a lady who used to be in um, church. She was called Five Parsons. And as she was in the final years of her life, she said to me, Beth, I've learned that whatever is the peaks and whatever is the troughs of my life, it doesn't matter because here I am with Jesus. You know, and let our hearts really ring true with that moment of eternity in them. And know, whatever winter we're in, whatever summer we're in, it's okay because we are here with Jesus. Yeah? So I'm just going to pray that over us. If you want to join me with that prayer, just put your hands like this or wherever you feel comfortable. So Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have made everything beautiful in its time. And we might not understand the picture you are painting, the picture you're weaving together. But Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm a stitch in your tapestry. I am so thankful that I'm a blob of paint in your picture. And Lord, I just pray that everyone here this morning knows that their life is so significant when lived for you. And Lord, I just pray that therefore as a church, collectively, as family, Lord, 
We become a church with an eternal purpose, eternally minded, that we will go and make disciples and whatever is happening to us around our lives, we know and we are thankful that we get to do it with you. Amen.